Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Diana. Welcome to Filmscape, a movie reviewing podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the 2021 Oscar nominations. The show will be held this Sunday. This will be a special episode where we talk about each of the movies nominated for Best Picture and give them little mini-reviews. First, we're going to talk about each of the categories leading up to it, starting with the acting nominations, Best Screenplay, and Best Director. We're going to go through each of these categories and give our predictions for what we think will win and then what we personally hope will win if that's different. First, we're just going to talk about the international feature film and the animated feature film. So the international feature film, the only one I saw was Another Round from Denmark, and that was one of my favorite movies of the year. Since I didn't see the others, that's going to be my prediction for what will win and obviously what I want to win. And I'll talk more about that when we get to the Best Director category, because this was also nominated for Best Director for Thomas Winterberg. For the best animated feature film, we would like it to be Soul, which we have a whole episode on, and it would be great if you could listen to it. If you haven't. I'd be very surprised if Soul didn't win. That's clearly the animated favorite of this year. It's one of two Pixar films from this year, the other one being Onward with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. Solid movie, not one of the best Pixar movies or anything, but it was good. It's worth checking out. That and Soul were the only two that I saw in the animated feature film category, and I I definitely think Soul will win, and that's obviously would be my pick for the best animated feature film of 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think that Soul would win. For Best Supporting Actress, we have Maria Bakalova for Borat Subsequent Movie Film, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Colman, The Father, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Yoo Jung-yoon, Minari. This was the most difficult category for me to predict. I don't think Maria Bakalova is going to win for Borat. That would be a surprise. One very funny little piece of trivia is that Glenn Close was not only nominated for this Oscar, but she was also nominated for the Best Razzie Award for the same movie, which is, I don't know if that's ever happened before. If it has, it's very rare. So I don't really know what that says about Hillbilly Elegy. I know that movie got poor reviews. You didn't see it, did you? No, but it's hard because I've seen like certain clips and I've heard a lot of the negativity about it and I eventually I'll watch it, but I feel like I've, I haven't mustered enough of the the willpower, the courage because <laughs> because I've heard so many negative things. I watched it a little while ago and I don't remember it that well. I don't think it deserves to get the hate that it has. I don't think Glenn Close deserves a Razzie. I think she was one of the 
definitely one of the better parts of the movie but it's not like it's not what i'd call a, a must watch or anything i mean that's my least favorite movie of all these nominations here easily it's not terrible but it's not an outstanding movie or anything i don't i don't think she's going to win for that olivia coleman was very good in the father as she always is she could win that one what do you think i also think that she could win that one i was really pleased with her performance in the father it was believable i, I yeah it was really good i just this category is very it is difficult to kind of classify who you think overall but um yeah olivia coleman it's tough yeah we should note olivia coleman just won an oscar two years ago yeah, t- two years ago for The Favorite. And that was well-deserved because she's amazing in that. She's mostly in TV stuff. That's what I've seen her in. And she she's pretty incredible. I hope to see her in more movies. I'm really glad she, she was in The Favorite and this and is getting that kind of recognition. She's definitely one of the best actresses working today. And then for Amanda Seyfried and Mank, that'd be interesting if she won because i i think of her as i still think of her as like in mean girls which i know was like 16 years ago but um but she was also in like the ted movies so she's kind of suddenly she's nominated for an oscar and that i think that would be pretty cool if she won that just because i thought mank did a really great job bringing those real people to life and i think the actors did her did a really they they really felt believable and and in that time and she she was part of that for sure so i think she would be a great pick to uh to win that one but there's also yu jong yoon for minari i think that one would also be very well deserved i agree with that this is this is definitely a, a difficult one i'm not really sure who i who i would predict to win or who i want to win with this I think Yoo Jung Yoon might be the deserved one because she she was one of the best parts of Minari. Yeah, she really was one of the best parts of Minari. And and she had to have a lot of range in that movie because, of course, she was this crazy grandma. And then, you know, one part then to play like, you know, obviously this. Then she's injured, you know, of course, and that very much changes her disposition and her actions and, and her demeanor you know in the movie and so it's it's interesting to like to really see that contrast in her character but i loved her performance in that film and i i think that this category is very tough but i part of me kind of thinks that she'll win that it would be well deserved i mean that's true that that movie really did she really had a range because she had the funniest part of the movie was because of her which i loved which you'll have to see to uh to find out what that is and then she also had some very difficult times with what that character goes through and when the movie kind of shifts into a little more dramatic territory with that and you know her character is getting used to this new place and she brought that she brought that to life really well i thought so i think that would be a a very well-deserved win and i guess i'll say that that's my prediction for who will win just because this category is a little bit random with these picks. I did really like Olivia Coleman in The Father, but that also was Anthony Hopkins' real show. So he was really the one that stood out in that movie. Like, if anything, I think he would win if that movie won any award. So even though it would be well-deserved if Olivia got it. 
So yeah, Yu Jung Yoon would be my, I guess would be my prediction and who I think is also my my personal pick for who should win. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty, one thing that's really interesting about Cool uh, about Yu Jung Yoon's character and like, like her person, you know, just in general is that this actress She's un she's relatively unknown in the US, but she's very known in South Korea. So I remember reading that when she was cast that that it would be very intriguing for her to to be having a movie that was mainly going to be, of course, distributed in the United States, where of course a lot of people don't know who she is. So I think that she kind of welcomed that. And I had read also that she was just so incredibly surprised to be nominated in the first place for Minari because she just didn't ever envision that. And I mean, she's like 72 and she, she uh, you know, so I feel like for her, she just feels so blessed and grateful, of course, to be nominated in the first place. Yeah, yeah I think I think she I think she should take this one. In Best Supporting Actor, there's Sasha Baron Cohen in The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, then there's Paul Rossi in, in Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. This category, they, they all did you know, a great job in their respective films. But I know my guess would be Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah because he was just very strong. And and yes, it was based on a real person, but even... The, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, when they were doing the filming that, you know, they did consult with the family of Fred Hampton and that he... He really wanted to make sure he really covered his essence and who he was. And so I feel I feel that he he really has been able to ca to capture that in in the in the film. And he was he was just so strong and consistent and it and it made me really invested in the film overall. I agree. I think no question Daniel Kaluuya will win this one. He won the Golden Globe. And but not just because of that, he was really the driving force of that movie. I thought that scene where he declares I'm a revolutionary in the rally was like very powerful and one of the most memorable scenes of the movie of all these movies. And um, I just thought he was like definitely the standout of that movie. And it's, it's a great movie in general. And um, I thought that's definitely his best performance I've seen from him yet. And he's always good. Daniel Kaluuya, he's he's pretty recent. He obviously got his breakthrough in um, Get Out. So yeah, that's, that's definitely my pick too. The deserved pick and what I think will win. On to Best Actress. We have... Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, 
Francis McDormand in Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. This is a strong category this year for sure. We have some heavyweights like Viola Davis and Frances McDormand, two of the best actresses around. We got a newcomer in Andra Day who won the Golden Globe. That's noteworthy for her lineup in these Oscars. It would be noteworthy if Frances McDormand won for Nomadland. Nomadland seems like the award's favorite for this year. And she has already won two Oscars in her career, so she'll be the most awarded actress since Catherine Hepburn if she wins again. And Nomadland seems like the beloved movie, so I feel like she might take that one. I thought it was odd that she didn't win the Golden Globe. I think if Frances doesn't win, I bet it would be Viola Davis, because she's pretty incredible, and even though it wasn't one of my favorite movies of the year, she is one of the best parts of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So I think it could be either one of those. My personal pick, though, would be Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. What I would ask is, why why Carrie Mulligan as your pick? Oh, I, I thought she was amazing in Promising Young Woman. I thought she she dealt with the different tones of the movie really well with the parts where she was we have a whole episode on Promising Young Woman, so go listen if you haven't. She plays a woman exacting revenge on people in her past in that movie. And so she has a lot of scenes where she's being menacing. She's playing these elaborate pranks or, or misleading scenarios. She's kind of this mastermind of this plot to exact revenge for this past injustice. She did some scenes that were funny and other parts where she was genuinely frightening. And I just thought that was my favorite, one of my favorite performances of any movie this year. So much as I, as I like Viola Davis and Frances McDormand, I just think personally, Carrie Mulligan was my favorite. And it was my, my favorite movie of these. I think it required so much range. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, yes, I, it's hard because I know that even Vanessa Kirby, she had to have a lot of range and pieces of a woman and everything. Like that was also required but I know it's it's so tough, but I, I also know that that movie, it's, it's also really tough because there's some movies where like, of course, you know that the main sentiment that a person is feeling is like one of two emotions. And yes, people could argue the same thing with Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman of anger and all these different things but then there are there are these other moments because of you know her relationships that she builds with you know some other characters things like that but my personal pick i would wish that it would be also be carrie mulligan but i know that in the grand scheme of what these committees like to pick in things it is more likely that they would pick Frances mcdormand over carrie mulligan despite the fact that I, I really did like Carrie Mulligan's performance. I mean, I'm not saying that Frances McDormand's performance wasn't wonderful and great because like, it, it was powerful. I just know that, of course, the movies were very different and they required different motivations out of the different actresses. I think that they would probably pick Frances McDormand, even though I would be secretly hoping that they would pick Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, it's tough. I think they are very different performances, as you said, with Frances McDormand, her character was very 
down to earth and realistic because that's what the movie required. There was a lot of like subtleties and much more controlled. And I mean, and Frances McDormand can obviously be like very fiery. Yeah, it's, she's very restrained. The other thing to note and think about here is that with acting, it's always so hard to know because we don't know what the true personality is of the actor. You know, like, because some people, they are typecast into characters that are similar to their personalities or very different. And we know that Frances McDormand has marvelous range and everything, but I'm curious how close or how far away this particular character was to what she actually is like in person. I'm curious, but it really did require so much focus because of the, again, the restraint and the personality that what you said about being down to earth and there was a level of this kind of calmness to the character. Yeah, she she was very reserved. She she was kind of beaten down with by life with losing her home and losing everything. And it's more I, I think Frances McDormand actors are their personalities are probably extroverted and a little egotistical. With Frances McDormand, she's a seasoned actress. She's one of the best actresses out there. I get the sense that she's probably pretty quirky and uh, I don't know. I think she, she's probably very different from this character who's very much like supposed to represent forgotten, discarded citizens of the U.S. who lose their home, who lose their job, their savings, whether it's from a financial or economic crisis or depression or from COVID. I mean, this movie is so relevant from this past year. And it, it's everything that happens in it could be from COVID. It's it's about, I think, the fallout from the 2008 financial crisis. Yep. But it, this exact thing is happening this past year with all the people who are it's the same effect. So many people have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They might have even lost their savings, which is terrifying. And they just say, well, fuck it. What am I supposed to do? And they so they get a van or an RV and they become a nomad and they eat in these huge groups and they're kind of like, you know, hippies, but a lot of them are much older. It's it's not so fun. It's not glamorous. And they kind of have to make it on their own and, and look out for each other. It's a very empathetic movie. We'll talk more about the movie when we get to Best Picture. But it's a very empathetic movie. And that's one thing I loved about it. And I think Frances McDormand was a big part of being the anchor for that. So, like we said, this is a very strong category this year. I have not seen the United States versus Billie Holiday or Pieces of a Woman, so I can't speak to either of those. But these other three would all be well-deserved, whether it's Frances McDormand or Carrie or Viola Davis. For Best Actor, there's Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, Stephen Yeun for Minari. I'm sure Chadwick Boseman will win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the posthumous Oscars. He tragically passed away last year. He was just such a great actor, and he, he put so much of himself into this performance, and it was just, that would be definitely something that, that they would want to recognize for Sound of Metal and The Father, like, I would want either Riz or Anthony to, like, win. It's kind of hard because they're both in different situations. They're both playing characters that are in these, they have distorted senses of self. 
his character suffers with loss of hearing and then deafness. And then Anthony Hopkins' character copes with his dementia, what it means to have that happen to you. It's tough because both of their performances were really powerful and I really do feel like it is kind of hard to choose. I mean, there are some of you who may feel like, oh, this is easy for me. Like, this is just so easy to choose. But I liked both of their performances a lot. Just for the this second, I'm, I'm still thinking. It's tough for me to choose, too. This is another very strong category. I do think Chadwick Boseman winning would be well-deserved because he is... He or Viola Davis is the most noteworthy part of that movie. And unfortunately, it is his last performance. So him winning for that would be well-deserved. In terms of the others, in an ideal world who I would want to win, I am also between, I think, Anthony Hopkins or Riz Ahmed. Before, I was going to say Gary Oldman for Mank because he is really great in that movie. He plays... He is great. He, yeah, he, he plays... A, a drunken, brilliant writer, outsider trying to make it in Hollywood. More just trying to get the movie made. He doesn't even really care. And it was just a very refreshing, different kind of person to see. And to see that that person come to life from that time, just like with Amanda Seyfried, I thought they did really well. And Stephen Yoon and Minari, he was really good in that. Mm-hmm. I just think... Both Anthony Hopkins and Riz Ahmed were outstanding in each movie. They both absolutely carried each one. And they're both they were both great movies. It's not like they were just whatever and the performance was yeah. the only great thing about it. They were great movies. And Riz Ahmed was... I mean, he was incredible in Sound of Metal. I, I really felt for that character. It almost felt like a documentary. It was It was very intimate. His stages of learning about what he was dealing with and accepting it and pursuing surgery for all the different things he goes through. There were very human reactions. They were very much what people would feel. I've even said, you know, and, and I've talked to other people who, like, who I know who have, you know, they have different, you know, maybe disabilities or thoughts like, oh, you know, this movie did make me think about my experience when I when I lost my hearing because, like, how how emotionally withdrawn you feel in that time and how you, you know, like how lost you feel and that he did, he did capture that feeling. You know, it was something where, you know, this is a hearing person, but he's able to have this understanding of something that for, for some people who do have that experience can be, you know, it's like anyone who loses a sense, any of their senses, it is a very hard transition and um and it can be a very emotional and you know transition especially when the uh when especially the, like when in his case he's a drummer and that's like his livelihood so uh like i know for like i know i definitely like really emotionally stuck with me and but i but that's also really hard because with anthony hopkins and the father that also made me uh very it also really stuck with me because I've known people who have who've had dementia. So it's it's something where you do think like, yeah, there are these these particular things that really resonated, and and I think again that's the where the distinction and difficulties lie in selecting best 
actor. Yeah, this is all these performances are very different, mm-hmm. and and it's a very diverse collection of movies, which is good. Yeah, and the putting them against each other and seeing which is the best actor makes it makes it more challenging, but in a good way. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, he's the master. I mean, he he is like mm-hmm. mind blowing in that movie with with what he. We'll elaborate on the father later, but the way the movie goes, it really, you are really in his head and seeing how time is perceived in his mind and his perspective. It's very much from his point of view a lot of the time. And the way he embodies that kind of experience and that kind of perception of dementia, I've never seen a movie that displays an illness like that so honestly and it was just like unflinching it was quite emotional too so i think my personal pick would have to go to anthony hopkins narrowly with uh riz Ahmed at a very close second i think either one of them totally deserve it any of them w- would deserve it the, this is a very strong category this year my personal pick very closely would be uh would be for anthony hopkins i feel like i'm very i'm very much like I'm kind of in the same boat. So I I think I would probably say the same thing because, you know, you are right (laughs) about that. So I I will agree with you about, you know, Anthony Hopkins, the hope. But we but we also know that Chadwick Boseman's performance was so powerful in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And, you know, that is our prediction of what will win. Yeah. And he is excellent in the movie. Yes. And and so that would be well deserved, too. For Best Adapted Screenplay, there's Borat Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. This is an interesting collection of nominees. I'm pretty sure Nomadland is going to win. Maybe The Father? I don't know how it works with with being adapted from a play. Yeah. But the, the father was adapted from a play. Right. These others, I don't think. So was One Night in Miami. I personally would be surprised if Nomadland didn't win. I think that's pretty clearly what the, the favorite of these. And it was very well written. And like I said, it was a very empathetic movie. Yeah, I agree. But the father, I loved the way the father took you through the it was such a psychological movie how it took you through his perspective and almost felt like this is just how it seems from someone's perception of dementia where it's almost like time traveling where one second you're in a completely different time and the movie puts you in that headspace and I was very surprised when the movie was going along and started doing that and I said oh this is what we're doing like, I have not seen a movie do this before. So I honestly loved how the father portrayed that mental illness and the reactions of, of the other family members. It's such an intimate movie. And that is very well written. I'm not sure if they just adapted the play and just filmed it. This is adapted screenplay. So all of these are taking an existing story and adapting it for the screen. And so basically, I think the father and Nomadland do that the best and i would be very surprised i would be very surprised if borat won Mm -hmm. i agree i think that it would be nomadland that would win and 
that I also would like to win. And then I would put the father at second, you know, second place of... If it wasn't Nomadland, then it would be the father, my opinion. Yeah. And I haven't seen The White Tiger. One Night in Miami was also very well written. I think that was just more of a straight up actor's movie. I think if that won any categories, it might be for the acting. For best original screenplay, there's Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I would want Promising Young Woman to win, but I think that... Deanna's making some hand movements. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm making some hand movements of, like at Ben, like signaling kind of like... Because he has kind of his own prediction of like what he what he thinks gonna is gonna win. I'm kind of like, hmm, yeah, I yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, that <laughs> the trial of the Chicago Seven that we think that that would probably be what would win. Because I mean, it just seems like the type of movie that they would pick as the favorite. Even though I I really think it should be Promising Young Woman. I mean, again, Emerald Fennell, it's her first screenplay directing like for a movie like that and and but she was able to execute it in such a beautiful manner and I really think that that should be rewarded and uh yes I understand that with the trial of Chicago of the Chicago 7 that yes it's a powerful film and and everything but I also feel like with a lot of screenplays you want the information to really be you know, something that's going to grasp your attention and really, really keep you invested. And I think that when, if you're a person reading a screenplay, I would be far more intrigued reading Promising Young Woman as an original screenplay than I would be with Trial of the Chicago 7, because I feel like it's like reading almost like a legal document while it's also like about this case. But I also know that there are movies that, that are more likely to be chosen. And, and it, The Trial of the Chicago 7 seems like the type of movie they would choose. But I really, really hope and would like to see Promising Young Woman win this particular category. Yeah, the, these are a solid list of nominees. I think Promising Young Woman is also the standout. That would be my pick. The Trial of the Chicago 7 is my prediction for what will win because Aaron Sorkin wrote it and he's a total favorite. He's a very right. he's a very snappy, witty writer. I personally don't think this is one of my favorite like of, of his work in particular. Yes. I mean, I think yeah, the social network was incredible. I loved that. Molly's game, he's he's very reliable, but this one was more like kind of a very straightforward good legal drama which is why i said it's kind of like reading something that's legal but in a play like you know like in that form so that's why yeah. I, that's why i was thinking of it as i'm not trying to say that the movie or this type of you know legal related thing is boring it is not but i'm saying that it is something where where when i was trying to justify that again promising young woman is something that would jump off the page far more for me than the trial of the Chicago Seven because it does seem like more 
kind of that standard. It's fresh. Yeah. It's different. It's a completely new idea. It's not based on anything. It's and, totally unpredictable. Yeah, and just like what you were saying, that even with the trial of the Chicago, the trial of the Chicago Seven. Sorry. You can just say Chicago Seven if you want. That's true. It's good, but compared to other works in which this particular person has made, it is not the same. Like it's it's. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't it's, say it's, it's one of his best. Exactly. Like it's, it's fine. It's but... fine, but it's not like you know. So it's kind of like oh well, you know. And and there's other nominees too, you know, like Sound of Metal. That would be well deserved. That's a very well written movie. Very restrained, like Nomadland, and uh, yeah, Minari. Sure, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, but I do have a little bit of an issue with with the way that movie is written and the pacing, which I'll get to later. Mm -hmm. But it is a very good I movie. Agree. It's a very good movie for sure. <laughs> For Best Director, we have Thomas Winterberg, Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. All of these movies were nominated for Best Picture except for Another Round, which was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Thomas Winterberg is one of the best Danish directors. And Denmark does have some very noteworthy filmmakers. Another round stars Mads Mikkelsen. Four teachers who are all friends and colleagues going through kind of a midlife crisis. And one of them is doing this study where he finds out that some scientists said that if you have a certain level of alcohol in their blood and you maintain that, that it improves your life and your mental state and mental health or something and so these these guys go for it and they have a lot of fun but then the reality kind of kicks in and it becomes a very both a very funny but also very serious at times movie and it's not a goofy over-the-top hangover type movie it keeps it pretty grounded it's similar to another great movie by Thomas Vinterberg The Hunt also starring Mads Mikkelsen and that's also very down-to-earth, very natural. Another Round is one of the best movies of the year, for sure. I hope it wins the Best Foreign Language Award. The ending scene is one of my favorite scenes of any movie this year, so check this one out. It's streaming on Hulu currently, so you can watch it on there. It's not an outright comedy all the way through, serious at times, but this is generally a little more of a light-hearted movie of this award season. A lot of them are can be pretty grim and serious, and this one's a little more lively. If you're looking for a movie like that, then definitely go watch this one. What I think will win is probably Nomadland, Chloe Zhao. That would also be well-deserved. Both Nomadland and Minari in particular, I thought, I'm going to sound very pretentious here, <laughs> but they, they made use of the natural world and capturing its surroundings and the setting that each movie is in very well. There's lots of beautiful shots outside with the, the, the sun glinting and, and the, the beauty of nature and of the world and all that stuff. It was very, very Terrence Malick. So either Lee Isaac Chung or Chloe Zhao would be very well deserved. But basically any of these winning would be well deserved. These are all beautifully directed movies. 
Emerald Fennel for sure. First time directing a feature-length movie for her, and she did an excellent job. But my number one pick is definitely David Fincher for Mank, because that movie, I've, I love this description of Mank that I saw somewhere a while ago. It looks like a black and white photograph come to life. It's looks gorgeous. David Fincher is an amazing director. I think he's fantastic. Every movie he does is, it's like top of the line. And he's never won a Best Director Oscar, which I cannot fathom. Because he's so meticulous. He, 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 like, he like analyzes every shot, every frame, it seems like. The, co- the coloring has to be just right. He's, it, it, actors say he's exhausting working with him in a good way because of how much he cares and because of how meticulous he is. And he's just like the perfect way to make movies. So even though Mank is not one of my favorite movies from him, it's still one of the best of the year. And I'd be happy if Mank just won this this category because I think David Fincher, it's a long time, deserved for him. And this is this is certainly a well-deserved movie because it really captures the 1930s and the 40s really well. And it's directed with so much energy. It's finally a different kind of movie from him because he's done crime dramas to death. And they're always great, but he's doing something different. So I think that should also be rewarded. So that would be my personal pick. Any of these would be well-deserved. But my actual prediction would be Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Yeah, my prediction would also be Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And I do agree with you about the use of lighting for both Minati and Minati and Nomadland. And like just trying to really maximize the specific lighting and beauty and timing that exists in angles, of course. I mean, but that, you know, that's part of it. But with the direction, I I do think that with David Fincher, that movie, I feel like that movie must have been just so exhausting for him too, because it is a lengthy film that covers a lot of ground. And, but it's still maintains this essence of keeping you instilled in the time and and still invested in the main character you know mank and i and i think that although it it is a long film and i do wish it was shorter it it was still really well directed it's hard because it's hard for me to say who exactly i'd want to win because i mean i feel like any of these choices it would be great yeah i mean everybody knows i like emerald finale because again first time director of a feature length film and you know that I, I also think that that's very it's very impressive and this film was also meant to turn these different perceptions and things onto you know its head and so for her to kind of direct it in a specific way so people really got the message in like that way like it was effective and so like I really really I do really like that about the movie. I do think all the movies would be well-deserved in their own right. Promising Young Woman would almost be, you've gushed about that movie a lot, but for example, that movie also goes through a few different moods really well. It does. It's like this ironic, romantic comedy a little bit. Then it's this really dark, subversive, almost like crime thing, but it's shown in this kind of like bright, 
mm-hmm. happy, optimistic way, but yeah. you, you just know but while still keeping that th- tone. There's this very dark tone underneath, and it just it does that really well. It's it's very and that's a really difficult balance to achieve. Oh yeah, in direction because it's it's so easy that you can intend you know the intent of having something meant to be positive, but then it comes off being negative. To be able to succeed in that particular way, I just it's just really commendable. Finally, we have the best picture movies, best movies of 2020 to the present. Before we talk about each one of these, Diana, just tell me your number one favorite movie from January 1st, 2020 up to now, your number one favorite, whether it's nominated or not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's like... So, I mean, I can't decide, but my two favorites are The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss and Promising Young Woman, which is on this list. It's hard to disagree with that. Those two are definitely in my top five. My number one favorite is Tenet. I loved Tenet. That is a great movie. I thought it was mind-bending and very original. I'm going to have to watch that again. Yeah, it's, I, it definitely helps to watch it again. I've seen it twice now. I have the Blu-ray, right. so we can watch it anytime. Anytime you want, I'll happily watch it again. It's one of those movies you, you'll get more out of it the more you watch it. Sort of like, I've seen it, I've seen it's like a spiritual successor cousin of Inception. And it kind of is, it's it's different, but um, it, it's the same, it's a similar tone, similar kind of subject matter. It's not one of my top favorite Christopher Nolan movies, but it is my favorite of 2020. So that would be my number one. And The Invisible Man would probably be like my number two. Gretel and Hansel would be my third favorite. Promising Young Woman and Mank would be around fourth and fifth. And then another round, The Father and Soul are right behind. Okay, this is the thing that's so messed up about movies or like so really difficult about movies is, yes, I love The Invisible Man and I love Promising Young Woman, but I also really loved Minari. It just made it made me feel very, it just, it, I don't know, I, I felt it. I felt it in my heart. It did make me cry. So, you know, a little bit. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, since we both loved The Invisible Man so much, I was going to say, about this roster of Best Picture nominees, I am happily surprised with this list. These are all really great picks, most of them among my favorites of 2020, except for, of course, all the great science fiction and horror movies that came out that the Academy never, hardly ever recognizes in the top categories. Some of them get the technical ones. Right. Like best sound, best visual effects, which is deserved. They hardly ever seem to recognize them in best picture or best director, which I think is unfair, especially in this day and age. Yeah. With Blade Runner 2049, Annihilation, Prometheus, The Invisible Man from this year, Tenet, I agree. Interstellar. There's plenty. And, there are and- plenty that should really, really be considered because... I mean, just because it's a horror film or sci-fi does not mean that it doesn't evoke a lot of emotion. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have, take a lot of work. Just like any other film, it's it's, an, it's just a very incredible 
and difficult process to create. I mean, usually they're working on these tiny budgets. Like, I, I'm amazed at what Ari Aster, a newcomer, has done with Hereditary and especially Midsummer. Yeah. Midsummer being one of the most gorgeous looking horror movies in years. I mean, yep. that's getting all the nominations. Martin Scorsese loves Midsummer and Hereditary, Scorsese himself, and these lead performances that have been in recent horror movies like Lupita Nyong'o for Us, Tony Collette in Hereditary. I know that was a major snub, but she's in a trashy horror movie, so God forbid that gets nominated, and it's it's amazing. So that is just a note that these awards really should come to the party. Horror in particular, and sci-fi, have really, really flourished, I would say. This whole past decade, there's been this resurgence of creativity and just atmosphere and, and all this psychological depth to horror in particular that I think the Oscars kind of need to come to the party on. I'm sure it's full of these kind of old, conservative, old-timey Hollywood guys that are voting. I understand they might not quite be aware of that but I, I should hope that that changes and with science fiction I mean it's great that Blade Runner 2049 won for best cinematography and effects but I think they can they could recognize these movies in the higher categories too I was happy that Mad Max Fury Road was nominated for best picture that was great they're gonna have 10 slots next year instead of just eight for best picture they only had five for a few years which was ridiculous wow. So maybe they can make room for some other kinds of movies going forward. Yeah, definitely. But this is a good roster of picks. With these best picture films, we are going to do little reviews of each of the films. We've already covered some of that with these other categories. Right. So we'll just say right off the bat, with Promising Young Woman, we have a whole episode on that. Yep. So go listen to that if you haven't to hear our thoughts on Promising Young Woman. With The Father. The Father is a film starring Anthony Hopkins and it has Olivia Coleman. And it goes around the journey of Anthony Hopkins and his gradual progression with dementia. Also his loss, you know, of course, that includes his loss of time. And, you know, there's lots of confusion that occurs with his, his uh, experiences in with his daughter. One of the things I loved about the father was how, as I mentioned, you really take it into the character's mind and you see his perspective. They even have a different actor and actress play some of his family members to, to signify that he doesn't recognize them. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh, we're actually really getting into his mind here. And I haven't seen that in a movie before. So I loved that. I mean, it was, it was very sad. Right. But I liked how they really took you into his mind and had you experience it. Yeah, because that is something that that people do really experience. You know, they that's why they'll be like, I don't know who you are. And, you know, and that's why, like, you know, people, the children of people who have dementia and both dementia and Alzheimer's will say, yeah, but I, like, I'm your child. But they don't recognize. It's like an kid. impossible situation. Right. It's very, yeah, very sad. Yeah. Next up is Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah follows William Bill O'Neill, an FBI informant, and he infiltrates the Black Panther Party for Roy Mitchell, which is his contact at the FBI. 
And Daniel Kalua plays Fred Hampton, who's the chairman of the Chicago chapter. And you really follow Bill's journey into the Black Panthers, seeing what they're dealing with, their mission. And this is definitely one of the favorites of this year. And it's one of my favorites, I would say. I wish I, I loved it and it would could have been easily in my top favorites. I just think, to bring up a criticism, I think the screenplay needed to focus more on something, whether it's Bill or Fred Hampton. I don't know if this is too derivative, but it's Hollywood, so I think it wouldn't have been bad. It's not that derivative. It would have served the movie better if you really understood Bill a little more and it stayed in his perspective because it is it just gets a little unfocused in the middle part and that kind of killed the momentum for me. I was really enjoying it. I still enjoyed it. Daniel Kaluuya's scenes where he's taking charge are probably the best parts. But if it really was more of a more it really got you more into Bill's head of his fear of being found out and slowly changing his where where he's kind of being genuinely turned by the Black Panthers and really recognizing that their cause is just and kind of forgetting about the FBI and wanting to join them. That does happen in movies a lot, but I think that would have made it more compelling. And they do actually kind of do that, but I just thought it was a little uneven with that. But aside from that, it is a really great movie. I'm not sure if it'll win Best Picture, but it could. It would be well-deserved, despite some uneven writing in that part. I mean, all the performances are excellent. I think that's kind of the the main draw of that movie, especially Daniel Kaluuya. But it is just a really thrilling, interesting movie about Fred Hampton and about the Black Panthers, a subject that people should be more educated about and about that time in history. So if you like history and you're interested in, it has a lot of themes that are relevant to today. I agree with you that there is that inconsistency in the in the focus of who you're drawing your attention to. I mean, yeah, you could change perspective, but I feel like the way that it is done, it could have been executed a little bit more cleanly. So you have a sense of even more focus in the movie of, you know, there's this one character and then there's Fred and kind of these. There's also all these scenes with Jesse Plemons' character, the FBI contact. And they're fine, but I think that is a big part of where the movie kind of loses its momentum, Hmm. where it gets a bunch into that side, which is good, but it's like I said, it it needed to kind of stay focused on one avenue, but all of the pieces of it are great. It is still a very good movie, and it does deserve the Best Picture nominee. For what it's worth, so far in 2021, that's my favorite movie so far of this year, of these past few months. Then there's Mank, and Mank focuses on on Herman Mankiewicz. He co-wrote Citizen Kane, and he's approached by Orson Welles to work on the project. They're trying to create these timelines and all these different things, and the movie does kind of address, like, the phases of writing and, you know, in the screenplay, and then Mank's relationships with actors and actresses and directors and producers, and it goes in these different levels of what Hollywood is like, you know, through that production process of the development process for Citizen Kane. And Uh, in that time in history. Yeah. It's great that it shines a light on this lesser known 
but integral creative force of Citizen Kane, one of the greatest movies of all time. And Orson Welles is always seen as the mastermind, wrote, directed, starred in it and everything. And all that's true. But this guy was also a huge part of it. And I love how this movie just unapologetically showed what he was like, how much of an outsider he was in the classy upscale old Hollywood elites and how he just did not give a fuck and he would just show up drunk and he just kind of took the piss out of everyone. And Gary Oldman was fantastic in the role. And it's like a train wreck sometimes with just the worlds clashing. He was just a total outsider. The movie will be a little impenetrable for some audiences because it is just so full of references of old Hollywood of the 1930s. There's so many names. You might want to have a little... They must have a chart somewhere online for people to kind yes, of just be like, who is this person? Who's they? So yes, a de- <laughs> so a definite recommendation, I think that Ben and I are trying to say here, is look online for a chart relating to Mink and the names that they name drop. Because what happens is literally they're constantly name dropping producers, actors, movies, and all of these different references you're you're trying to keep up with because a lot of them connect with things that are happening within the film itself and the relationships that Mank has with other people. So it's easy to then feel very lost and kind of like, oh, was I supposed to do homework? Did I forget something? Yeah. You know, like the only reason why Ben and I like could keep up like maybe 2% of the time, maybe, I don't know if it was 2% maybe or maybe one, was because because we took a nice film class together and then also because uh, lots of lifetime film research and stuff. So that helps. But I do recommend that trying to find some sort of mank chart would be really useful because there's a lot of names brought up in this film. Yes, it's a challenging watch. It's dense. I think it could have been maybe, I don't know if it was the writing or what, it could have been written a little differently so it's more about just about Citizen Kane or about who Herman Mankiewicz is because there is kind of this little bit of a detachment with that maybe just because of the time period it is just so entrenched in the time but um it's one of my favorite movies of the year I would absolutely recommend it it's one of the best movies on this list so don't be too intimidated just look up that guide like we said watch it on Netflix you could watch it with pretty much anyone. It's a very accessible movie. But you do have to be in the mood for some old Hollywood history. And to see, like I said, a black and white photo come to life. It does feel like a portal to another time. Just completely of the 1930s and 40s. With Minari, it's a family who... They moved from California to Arkansas. The dad, played by Stephen Yuen. He's like convinced that the dirt on the land in which they're living is made for growing the vegetables of their land from Korea. And so he wants to build a wonderful garden and be able to grow Korean vegetables, sell them, and be able to build this life with his family there. Many things ensue in the film, but it's nice that it's a touching family drama about finding a sense of the importance of family and identity. This is an immigrant story that takes place in the 1980s. The core of the movie is is very much kind of a traditional family drama movie and it kind of hits all those beats and 
there's a lot of funny parts and then there's more serious scenes and Yoo Jung Yoon as the grandmother particularly stands out but all the actors are, are great in it and it's very well made it really captures the beauty of the rural American landscape and illustrating the the hope and and new chapter that this land of theirs will bring the new opportunity that they see and how they you know they say how there's more Korean populations moving to these areas and so they're going to grow Korean vegetables to have that around so there's all these great little details and things you learn about a Korean family who want to be farmers in the US and about the struggles they go through it never gets too too heavy or it, you know it's not like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom where it gets very devastating and just hard to watch it keeps it pretty very realistic which i i appreciated i didn't quite know what to expect but um yeah it, it is like it is very like a traditional family drama story from this very new different perspective and it was a very specific story and uh it's definitely very very solid movie next we have the trial of the chicago seven could be seen as almost a legal drama companion film to Judas and the Black Messiah, as it is very much touches on the legal ramifications and investigation of what happened with Fred Hampton's death, who was played by Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah. This film centers on the legal battle between the Chicago Seven, which were Vietnam War protesters who were accused of inciting riots at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Illinois in Chicago, obviously. The movie is, is a very standard legal drama about that. It's a very relevant movie. You can draw a lot of parallels to the kinds of protests happening nowadays. This is technically a legal drama, so a lot of it does take place in the courtroom, which I would have liked a little more variety with the locations. I know that's what the movie is about, but it is over two hours long, and it does have very... Of course, it was written by Aaron Sorkin, but it has very witty, snappy dialogue, and I just would have liked a little bit more variety. It fits very well with his other films, for sure. And it's a perfectly fine addition to that kind of thing. And while it's not one of my top favorite movies nominated for Best Picture, I kind of wish that Chicago 7 came out after Judas because it takes place after that and it would have been nice to see that. They're both important historical movies. I would recommend watching it that way. I don't think that will win Best Picture, but I'm pretty sure it will win Best Screenplay, as we said. The Sound of Metal is about a drummer named Reuben Stone who's in a metal band. He is gradually losing his hearing and then becomes deaf. And it's his journey into with that loss of, of a sense. It really is a character study about how one deals with this news. He's a very independent guy. He's living out of his van with his girlfriend. And the two of them are the duo in the band. And he's the drummer finds out he's losing his hearing, he's got to stop, and he doesn't take this news well, as anyone 
anyone would. It's their livelihood. So he joins a community for the deaf and meets Paul Rassi, who is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And he's really great in the movie, too, as the one who's kind of helping him through this and helping him accept it. But does Ruben want to accept it? Or is he going to try to figure out a way to gain back his hearing? It's a solid movie. I don't know if it would win Best Picture. It is really well done, and it is very anchored by its performances. It's very subdued. I doubt it would win Best Picture, but if it did, that would be cool. Yeah. I I mean, I liked it a lot. I thought there'd be more music in the movie. There really isn't. It's mainly just, it goes into him dealing with this. The band isn't really part of it. That's just how it begins. But that's fine. That That's the I mean, goal that's... of the story. It's a very small scale movie focused on that. And it's good at dealing with that and all the different ways of thinking and his kind of stages of acceptance with losing his hearing and basically having to change his whole life. Yeah, I mean, I think that the part of the point of the band is just it's the source of why he's lost his hearing i mean because he has, yeah. he didn't wear any ear protection like he just was like yeah i'm gonna go and drum and then he you know yeah, they, they don't show any of his if he did or didn't i mean i guess no. he didn't because he's losing his hearing which is terrifying i mean i think the most important thing about this movie is this should be everyone should see this movie because especially musicians this should be essential viewing for rock metal punk musicians you have to protect your ears if you're a drummer, for sure, even if you're in a room with a drummer. I mean, as a musician myself, this freaked me out seeing mm-hmm. this movie, that this could have been me if I was more careless with protecting my ears or my friend, or if you caused this for someone. I really did feel anxious watching this movie, which I guess is a testament to how effective it is. And I think musicians will certainly, it'll resonate with them a lot with rock, jazz, anything where you're in a room with drums. Just to show the importance of that, because it's so easy to lose your hearing permanently, get tinnitus, these things that don't go away. It's a scary movie, but it should be essential viewing for people who love music and play music. But a bit of a cautionary tale does that really well. Both of our picks, I can speak for both of us, I think, when I say that we would both like Promising Young Woman to win Best Picture. Correct. Um, but I think what will win, in my opinion, would be Nomadland, the favorite. Right. And that would also be well-deserved. It's a beautifully made movie. As we mentioned, it's about a woman who loses everything, loses her savings in the 2008 financial crash, and she decides to become a nomad, as many people did. And the movie uses her as a conduit to introduce you to this whole world of regular Americans, many people who didn't necessarily choose this life many people older middle-aged or older oftentimes when life just fucks you over and you don't have and and at a certain point you say well what do i want to do with myself with the time i have left and they decide to do this and it's not easy but it is one way of going for some people it works out really well it's very much about how this quote-unquote normal woman adjusts to this and kind of responds to all the different personalities that she meets along the way who also choose this life and what her family thinks of it and it's just it's a very interesting movie another one that i would certainly recommend to most any audiences it's so beautiful that i I wouldn't mind you know it's just as you mentioned we have what we would prefer but 
if it were to win, I mean, it's it's just such a beautiful film that it's it wouldn't be a bad thing, you know. It would like, be it, well it, deserved. It's, it's, it's exactly, you know, and and there's so much to it that, of course that makes it well-deserved. but it, And it draws attention, again, as you mentioned, to this particular crisis that occurs in this particular population of people who just want to make it out on their own in this way. I would not be surprised and for it. It's offline. <laughs> yeah, it won the Golden Globe for Best Director and Best Picture Drama at the Golden Globe because they divide the categories like that. So I would not be surprised at all, but sometimes there's an upset, sometimes... A winner could be something else. Maybe it could be Promising Young Woman or or Mank. That's a that would be a good pick because it's about movies. I'm not trying to seem like like I want it to be so even or anything, but I do think that yes, it is according to what is deserving of each particular title or each uh, category. The fact that like so, you know a movie can win Best Picture and then win another category, like I guess like some other like the two largest categories, you know. And some when, you know, you think, okay, well, this other film, like, could it have won by, like, one point, you know, like, or something? Would it have been a chance for a different film to also get its recognition? Even though, if that makes any sense, where, you know, you can have a film where they get their, their award because of its, of course, its power and ability to connect with audiences, but still be able to acknowledge another film that did that, but in a different level. You know, so, but you know how like there are some movies that just manage to sweep all the awards and you know, and that, you know, that, that happens. And again, it's, it's to whatever movie is most deserving, but I, I don't know what your thoughts are about when awards tend to go to one film versus when uh, it could technically, even though we don't know, because we don't know how exactly they rate or we don't know everything about the way their system works for how they decide when it could be so close to another film choice i was gonna say i don't know how the voters pick i don't know how the voters pick the movies i think they just pick for whatever they feel like but who knows i think it just depends on on what resonates the most one note about last year's oscars last year's roster of best pictures was one of the best lineups i think ever it was really strong and not only that but my actual favorite movie of the year one best picture which hardly ever happens which was parasite and parasite is a very subversive original kind of crazy yeah. movie from a from another country that's not the US it's not even a western movie and it was incredible and i think that movie just got around with word of mouth and it was just such a mm -hmm. such a watershed total an incredible story incredible movie everything about it that it just totally swept everything and it won over a new martin scorsese movie over a quentin tarantino movie either of those would have been well deserved i mean i loved those too and he thanked them in the speech which was really nice because yeah. quentin tarantino he praised bong joon ho's older movies once which was really cool but anyway i think it's just kind of random i think in not random but i think it, it just changes over time like in past years there was a stereotypical, like, kind of old stuffy, right. historical, safe drama biopics would always win everything. And that still kind of happens, but maybe it's changing a little bit as new people are inducted into the Academy. I mean, it's just an award show. Yeah. There are upsets sometimes. It's not always predictable. I think this slew of Best Picture nominees for a year with a global pandemic and so many movies... Mm -hmm. delayed and pushed back you know this has actually ended up being a really solid 
round of movies. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning toward Nomadland winning a lot. But speaking to what you said earlier about different movies getting recognized for something, getting their time in, in the spotlight and kind of having it be even in, in an ideal way. Right. Maybe Promising Young Woman for Best Screenplay, Mank for Best Director, Nomadland maybe for Best Picture, or Switch, Nomadland win for Francis McDormand or Screenplay and Promising Young Woman win Best Picture. I'm saying this because... I'm afraid that just like with the Golden Globes, I don't think pro- I'm I'm afraid Promising Young Woman isn't isn't going to win anything, and that's just unfortunate because it's both of our favorites and it's it's a special movie. But I do hope that it wins something. It is worthy of something. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like it's it's something that really does feel like it is. It really is worthy of getting recognized in like this particular way. And but if it should happen, I mean, I that's their decision. But of course, it's still kind of a bummer if that were to happen, just like with the Golden Globes, because I know that when we watched the Golden Globes and, you know, and that didn't happen, we were kind of, we were both bummed, you know, because we, because we had hopes, you know, again, like, you're, you're not only rooting for, you know, someone who you, in your mind, you think is the underdog, you know, because they're younger or newer or whatever, or just being a newer, dire- newer director in like that way, but then also a movie with a strong message, but... It's like, again, there have been movies with other strong messages that have won before. So it's it's something like, okay, what are the specific deciding factors that one up another thing? It's a strong message. Mm-hmm. It's super entertaining. Very well made. All the performances are great. I do think it deserves to win something. I think it would be ridiculous if it didn't. It's definitely one of the best of all these. It's my personal favorite. It's Deanna's favorite. So we're pulling for Promising Young Woman. To win something because I do think it is something of an underdog. And and for Mank to win something too because that didn't really get much at the Golden Globes. I don't yeah. know if it got anything. And that was a really well-made movie. It wasn't perfect, but right. best director I think it would deserve. That's the Oscars. Hopefully you'll tune into the Oscars and hopefully you'll make your own determinations of which movies you think will win in each category. It'll be very interesting to see what wins. Yeah, if, if nothing else, it's fun to just see. I like to use the nominations as a way of just making sure I've seen everything yeah. worth seeing in the year because it's a good pick of great movies from that year. It's almost like the actual ceremony is something of an afterthought in a right. way. And, and they've gotten so political lately that I think they should tone down a little bit, even if they are just causes, but also celebrating the movies and everything well, yeah, cause would be I mean, nice. Yes, because I mean, the point is, we want to celebrate the arts here. We want to celebrate these films and the beauty, the significance that they're trying to bring. Hopefully you'll be able to really appreciate the arts for what they are. And I mean, that's the whole point also of us being able to acknowledge and discuss all of these movies in in this way. Because again, you know, the arts are just such a beautiful thing and it's it's a form of expression and comfort and indulgence and and it's important and they deserve yeah. to be important during covid when theaters are shut down and and so much is put to a halt and in jeopardy and there's still a lot of great movies that came out this year and because theaters are so so many fewer people are going to theaters as they sh- as they should because it's not necessarily safe there are lots of movies to still be able to enjoy and find and and support that are trying to make it and be released in this time and get their audience so Film booze. If you want to contact us or ask us questions, you know, you can email us. We'll answer back. 
we love you. So, you know, you can reach us at filmscaped at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-C-A-P-E-D at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, which we would love if you could follow us on. Uh, It's at Filmscape Podcast. And, you know, you never know if you're a question or comment may be featured on our next episode. (laughs) Thank you.